Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. Dr. Quadro Caramenteng is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out his first appearance on 471 of Boundless Body Radio. Dr. Quadro Caramenteng is a critical care and palliative care physician at the Ottawa Hospital. Dr. Caramenteng cares for the sickest of the sick patients in the intensive care unit. As a researcher, he is interested in using ICU resources more efficiently and improving access to palliative care in the ICU. To help do this, he founded the Resource Optimization Network, a multidisciplinary research group working to reduce health spending in this area without compromising care. In September of 2019, Dr. Karamenteng launched his ever-growing podcast, Solving Healthcare with Quadro Karamenteng. These podcasts feature interviews and discussions on the topic of improving healthcare delivery in Canada and elsewhere. Underpinned by the values of cost-effectiveness, dignity, and justice, these podcasts challenge the status quo, leaving no stone unturned as Dr. K explores gaps, assumptions, and different perspectives in the pursuit of finding solutions to problems in major healthcare systems. Dr. Quadro Caramenteng, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you back to Balanced Body Radio. Casey, thank you so much for having me. Last time was so much fun. We had to make this happen twice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, you mentioned last time, I don't know how you do your podcast, but when I do something that's really important to me, I'm very ritualistic. Like, I have the same water bottle, I sit down 10 minutes before the interview, I, I do my little sound checks, and I always wear the exact same clothes. This is the first time ever, if you're listening and not watching, I'm wearing something different. I've got my Golden Knights jersey on. Last time you and I chatted, we were in the NHL playoffs, and these two teams were fighting it out, man. It was a great series. It was a great series. Unfortunately, the bad guys won, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was fun. And, and and my boys are doing better this year. They're they're doing better lately. Anyway, ten game win streak. That's amazing. Yeah, dude. The only reason to have Instagram is to follow Formula One and to follow um, NHL. And I just open it up every day and see all the highlights of Connor McDavid splitting the D like super quick, and then just like. Man, top shelf. Some of these goals are just absolutely beautiful. So fun to watch. Oh, the best. The absolute best. Dude. So I turned 40 this last weekend. And as my wife was asking me what I wanted for my birthday, I was trying to think about it. And I decided I want to go to a game. So this Saturday, I am going to the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Pittsburgh Penguins to see Sid the Kid, Sidney Crosby. Dude, I'm so excited. Oh, man. Well, happy birthday. And second of all, what a great... What a great game to be going to, but uh, yeah, more importantly, happy birthday, brother. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so anyway, I'm super excited about that. As you know, Sydney, I mean, you don't have to be a Penguins fan. If you're any kind of a hockey fan or especially a Canadian fan, you you love Sidney Crosby. Almost 20 years in the league. He's absolutely amazing. He's such an amazing player. Won the gold medal against the United States back in 2010. That was a dagger. Um, I'm super excited to watch him, and I've been thinking about his role in the team for so long as the leader, as I've been preparing for this conversation and, and the type of leadership that I see, you know, I think sports is a really great way to see that kind of leadership. If, if you are any kind of into soccer, I would definitely recommend watching uh, captains of the world that just came out on Netflix, which is all about the captains of all the different soccer teams that participated in the 2022 world cup in Qatar. It's absolutely wonderful, but you, you really get a sense of what it takes to be that level of a leader and how much you have to really lead from the front. It's really kind of stood out as I've been preparing for this conversation. Oh, I'm putting that one on the list. That wasn't on my radar at all. I thought you were going to talk about Beckham, but yeah, that did. That's, that's officially on the list for, 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 uh, streaming shows. Trust me, I am a huge fan of trashing documentaries on Netflix, the latest one promoting a vegan diet, all about this twin study that was just, ah, uh, it's so bad. It's so, so well made and the study sucks and whatever. So as much as I want to bash documentaries on Netflix, their sports documentaries are off the charts. And this one about soccer in the World Cup was phenomenal. Oh, I bet. And then you, you made reference to Formula One. That's what got me back into it was... <sighs> Drive to Survive. I could not believe the quality uh, of these episodes and the quality athletes these guys are. Being the top 20 drivers in the world, the reaction time, the how fit you need to be. You, you know, like the, some of those races where you're losing, I forget where it was in Qatar. Anyway, they, 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 they lose close to 10 pounds from the heat. That is insane. And the focus, it's... 
unbelievable. Yeah. No, seriously, I had no interest in motorsport before watching that documentary. Now I'm fully hooked on the sport. Yeah, it was Qatar this year. They, they were like pulling drivers out of the cars because they'd lost so much water. We're like disoriented, crazy stuff. But again, I just, it, it's so cool to see leadership at that level. And I purposely left this out of the introduction, but since you and I talk, you have written a book all about leadership. And so I really want to kind of talk about that today. What, what got you interested in writing a book all about leadership? Yeah, Casey, part of it was, I guess, my own story where I never viewed myself as becoming a leader. I was getting through medical school, getting through residency, finding a job, and it just kind of fell into place as uh, as I was seeing less efficiency in, in our healthcare system. So I wanted to be do, do my part to try and make our healthcare system more efficient, but it really got spearheaded during the pandemic and I, I had a platform where I could voice my opinions on on policy on our approaches and what I was seeing around me was a lack of leadership a lot of fear-based decision making not making decisions from a place of values and I was not okay with it and I was often thinking like, what is the example we're, we're setting for our youth that we let fear dictate how we operate. We, we don't think about our values. We don't emphasize the need to, to, to think outside the box and, and really serve our population well. And because of that, I wanted to put that, those thoughts to paper. And, and, and so we, we wrote this book on, on kind of principles of leadership and hopefully people find it useful. I, 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 it's not just for those that are in the healthcare system. It's those that want to make an impact, those that want to influence others for good, not, not evil. And, and it's, it's, it's been a ride. It really has been a ride, Casey. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, the, the book is, kind of more centered around the medical industry, but it's something that all of us can apply, whether, you know, we're in that industry or not, we do have people that we want to influence and, and, and ways we want to set an example, even inside our own homes. I think that is, is really going to be, um, valid in this discussion. What, what, what did you take away from the pandemic? Like, as you look back, it's now been four years. What did you get out of it? Like, <laughs> Are you able to sit down and say like, we improved this, we got better with this, we learned this, or, or was it just kind of a waste? There was, that's a good question. There was some pros for sure. Then, but I think they were outweighed by the negatives. So the pros that I saw, at least in my profession, or at least in the medical profession was normally we wait eons before we make changes to our practice. And early in the pandemic, when we saw certain strategies not working as well, we did pivot. For example, we used to put patients on ventilators early and we realized that this doesn't seem to be working well. So we start to to pivot and do it later. We started to put them on blood thinners when we noticed that patients were clotting quickly. So I, I think the, the, the idea of being more, more uh, able to pivot, be more dynamic, I think was something that I hope we continue in medicine and, and was something that was absolutely good. But the bads, the, the negative aspects were were so much the way we treated our kids the way we had dichotomous thinking and 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 wouldn't allow people to voice their opinion the cancel culture the 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 death that happened like the amount of people that died and the messaging the the fact that we weren't assessing risk for folks like you and I had very little to worry about when it came to covid but our parents or or grandparents or people with bad metabolic disease or elderly population. That's another story. So instead of focusing so much on the whole population, why don't we focus our messaging on those that need us the most? I, I think the other aspect that really disappointed me was the lack of, of, of conversation about prevention. Like literally, as I mentioned on our old, our, prior podcast, I still to this day haven't taken care of somebody that was completely healthy. And knowing that you can 
reverse your metabolic disease, your di- type 2 diabetes, your obesity, high blood pressure for folks depend- based on how you eat, adding exercise, all these things. But what a missed opportunity to be able to promote healthy living. If we, If people knew between waves, between first and second wave, say it's June 2020, and we all say to ourselves, let's put ourselves in a better position. Let's collectively start walking more, exercising more. Let's really think about how we eat and and avoid the processed foods and think about increasing our protein intake. Let's just, let's make it a movement. Let's focus on this even for a week, a month. Let's just make it front and center. Imagine the impact that could have had. Like even if, and it's not just COVID, it would have been cancer, it would have been heart disease, strokes, all these things could have been improved at, at scale. So I, I, there's so many missed opportunities, negative aspects, but I'm the optimist in me. I don't even know if I truly mean this, but I like to think that we're going to learn from it and be next time something like this happens, we won't approach it the same way, but never say never. (laughs) Well, I, I like that attitude. I'm not terribly optimistic that that will happen, but I am optimistic that the people who want to get this information will be able to Right? like if you ignored it the first time, I remember making a post very early on when I, I, I said, like, we're now in a really tricky situation. Remember last year in 2019 when I said you should probably be exercising? Remember when we encouraged you to go on walks and we said you may need to look at your diet and change things? You know how we've been like banging this drum for like quite a while now? Like now we're in a tricky situation. And if you haven't done it, you're not going to have the resilience to do very well through the situation. And then, and then so quick after the whole thing started and the shutdowns happened, everything was politicized. Like it had nothing to do with, you know, whether you're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. It was a complete, you know, party lines, at least around here it was. And so I just, I don't know. I, I end up <laughs> similar to you. Like, I feel like we've been talking about this for a very long time. The people that want to do it are going to do it. The people that aren't are not going to. And the same thing is going to repeat over and over and over again. Yeah, I, I, I definitely hear where you're coming from. I, I just, I think I, I'm hoping because I need hope. I, because there'll be another pandemic in our life, in our lifetime. There'll be, I don't know whether it'll be avian flu or whatever, and there's going to be some kind of reaction that's gonna, that where people are going to want to re- rinse and repeat what they saw in 2020. And it just it just can't happen. And what we need to be doing, regardless of what virus is would be approaching, it would be put ourselves in the best possible position to withstand illness. And that means eating better, staying active, reducing our stress, find that sense of community, and be and promote healthy living. I, I just there's it's too important. It's, it's just, it's just too important. Yeah, no, I agree. And you mentioned all the other things too. Like not only are we probably going to have another pandemic at some point, but you mentioned things like cancer and, you know, we have chronic metabolic disease like diabetes. Going back to your experience before we really deep dive into the book, I, I think I find this very interesting, your own personal story. Like you, I believe you launched the podcast. And we're talking about healthcare and all kinds of different stuff. You'd already been practicing for a while before you ever heard the message about metabolic health. So what was that journey like for you? Oh, I love it. I, the The journey was was the pandemic. To be honest with you, I I didn't know anything about low carb. I didn't really put two cents about metabolic health. I wasn't. I wasn't. It just wasn't front of mind. I was more focused on treat treatments, less on prevention. I didn't even really know that type two diabetes was reversible, and then during the pandemic, when we saw a clear link with metabolic disease and, out- and poor outcomes, then my eyes start to open and people would start sending me stuff for, hey, did you see this Jason Fong saying intermittent fasting, you could reverse your type 2 diabetes? 
you know that low carb or keto can reverse type two diabetes. I was like, what? Like people are coming off medications. And, and when I heard that, I was forced to look into it. I was, was reading everything I could about low carb, everything I could about keto, everything I could about reversing type two diabetes, resistance training, all the things. And, and then when I heard it, I was, I was like, how does not, how do we not tell this to everybody? How's not everybody not finding this out? So this was our mission was to, to, to really try to, amplify that message especially when it, in in light of the of what it meant if you got contracted uh covid back then and i i i still to this day was stunned that this didn't pick didn't this didn't gain momentum because it, it really was a direct link and i even i did an episode with one of our docs dr tom saras who lost 30 pounds based on what he was seeing as an ICU doctor. He's like, wow, I'm not going to be out. I don't want to put myself at risk. I'm going to, through fasting and through low carb, I'm going to start winning in life. And because of that, you know, he's still living that healthy lifestyle. And I don't know. It just, it was a real missed opportunity as, as I mentioned before, but that, that, that was essentially how I came into the space. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And, it's been absolutely rewarding covering this content because you'll get these messages saying, oh, my mom's off their, her diabetic medication. My brother, he he's off his metformin now and feeling good about life. I, I was just like, yeah, boy. Yeah. That's why we joined this game. This is why we jumped on the train. Winning. Uh, it was, it's, been, it's been incredible. Yeah. Can I ask you to speculate on why maybe that message wasn't put out there more? Did, was it ignorance? Do you think people at the highest levels didn't know about this stuff? Or do you think it was some kind of deliberate something? I I, I know we're getting into <laughs> sticky territory here. I'm just curious to hear your opinion. Oh, but I mean, my honest opinion is that just people, I can, I mean, I was relatively in the space and I didn't know, I didn't know anything about it till uh, I mean, how deep in my career, 12, 13 years, 10 years into my career. And I think people would hear this stuff and probably be thinking it's voodoo. I've never seen somebody do it and, or claim that they haven't seen people do it. So it's probably not front and center. And, and, and a lot of people, you know, as we said in medical school, we don't learn that you could reverse these things. And, and so why put in the energy to, to try and, reverse something that's not fixable. So I think that's part of the mindset. And I don't know, there was a lot of energy at the time, like trying to make sure people stayed safe and the messages were like, stay home and, and mask and all these things. So maybe they are feared that that would take away from some of that content, but either way, I am not, wasn't happy about it. Whatever the excuse was, it just, it's not good enough for me. I, I really think this was something that we had to do better at was articulating the benefits of getting healthy and what that would mean long-term. Yeah. I always, I mean, you've already said it in this conversation. I asked you about it in our last conversation. I always like to reiterate this. You were there. You were face to face with this thing. You saw people die. You saw people get better, get worse. Once again, to reiterate, as far as COVID went and the treatment in the ICU, you did not see anybody who was metabolically healthy have a very severe case of COVID and have a negative reaction, long-term, death, whatever. Is this true? Yeah. So I'll just say, this is my own personal experience. Has there been someone healthy out there that has gotten sick or passed away? I, I, I have no doubt about that. But from what, what I saw, I... I did not treat a metabolically healthy person throughout my approaching now four years and, 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 the, and the, there was not only that, but even in the medical literature early on data from China clearly stated that this was a risk factor. They were seeing this early on. And, and so what I'm saying is not, not going to be new to anybody that has treated a lot of critically ill COVID patients. 
Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. You went on to continue talking about this on your podcast, on media as much as you could. What was that like to go through that process where, again, that's not the message we were getting for the governments, but you were continuing to push that message forward. Was that difficult for you? Was that scary for you? Were you nervous? Like, what was that like? If I'm being honest, out of the stuff, out of the metabolic content, it wasn't that scary for me because it was obvious. It was obvious to those around that were treating COVID patients or even those that have unfortunately lost their loved ones to COVID. They couldn't deny this, right? Like it was, it was, it was clear that there was ties to metabolic disease. And so, I mean, the news outlets weren't, they just wouldn't ask you about it, even though you'd bring it up. Sometimes you'd be able to bring, you bring it up in an interview but nobody would ask follow-up questions on it or rarely would ask follow-up questions. And then you'd have your social media where you get to be frank and honest with this, with this content. And I, I, I got very little pushback around that. Most of the pushback I got during the pandemic was around uh, school closures at times about, about loosening restrictions, about lockdowns. Those were, those are probably the, the areas where I got, the most heat for for and um but i for the most part i wouldn't i wouldn't change a single thing yeah wow so i I was actually curious to ask you about that what have been the more negative ramifications of some of the extended lockdowns or school closures or things like that like what what things are, are we dealing with now um maybe that's an obvious question maybe not no i mean it's a fair question because it's some of it is subtle some of it isn't so the, 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 I used to get a lot of heat because I say like, I'm worried about the economy and people would be like, who cares about money right now? And I'm like, money is health. People that can't afford to eat well, people that can't afford their medications and people like, if you can't afford housing, if you're poor, you die sooner, period. So I thought that was an ignorant perspective. The mental health ramifications, especially for our youth. It's clear the rates of obesity have gone up in our youth. The strain on the healthcare system, especially in Canada, where we our surgical wait times, elective surgical wait times are never been as bad. Access to primary care. People have left our our professions because of burnout. So the the person power concerns are have never been this bad. In, my, in our country, what else to go? Like, what else? I mean, it just, it's, it's been endless. It's been, and a lot of this was foreseeable. Like, I mean, I've seen people that normally, I've seen conditions where they were waiting for surgery, but because they were waiting so long that either it's too late to operate because of the cancer advancing or they rupture their aneurysm while they were waiting. Like, this is this is because of our policy, you know, and I, I give a pass on that first wave because this was all new and we we didn't know what we were dealing with. But on further waves, when we saw that kids were very li- had very little risk of dying from COVID or getting severely ill from COVID, the way we approached them, I, I, I to me was not forgivable. Interesting. And communication was a big thing that we suffered through quite a bit, right? Kids with masks, um, regardless of what you think about mask wearing or not, that was something we still struggle with today. The kids were set back as far as like communicating. Yeah, I I wasn't, I I had no issue with it initially as we were kind of learning more, but as the data kind of came out, especially when there were less aggressive variants coming through, that's when I started to say to folks like, Listen, there's a cost benefit to this. Wearing masks aren't benign, especially for two-year-olds or whatever we were saying. So let's get real. Like, and, and they're not going to be effective on a two two-year-old, on a child. Like the look at the way they're wearing them. And we need those kids need connection. They they need to learn how to communicate. Let's not sacrifice. Let's not make sacrifices for them. And and yeah, you know, this is probably the area where I, one of the areas where I got the most heat for, like even around schools and got tax on our families online and, and 
lost friends and but I kind of Casey what we talked about in the book is knowing your 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 line in the sand like really tying it really like getting married to your values and sticking with it and being able to look yourself at the mirror at the end of the day and being an example for your your kids and saying hey I'm I'm gonna do the right thing because it's the right thing to do and and maybe it, I, I don't know how much of an impact it had but I, I still to this day will get messages from from parents thanking us for advocating for their kids and it's something that I will always have some pride in and and I know my boys will have pride in it too that dad stuck up for for those that needed that those that needed it yeah. Well, you were the best person to write that book, which you just mentioned, Unapologetic Leadership. I love the title. Why did you decide on that word to come before leadership? It's a good question. I I just... Uh, it's funny. I, I Initially, I was like, what do you get? What do folks think about the defiant defiant leadership or what? Or, or def- almost like the defiant ones? Because a lot of the times... But by putting your neck out, you're really putting your neck out. You're 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 going against the grain, and you're gonna need to to really feel comfortable with your values to give yourself that the energy and the wherewithal to overcome the the resistance that's gonna come your way. But it, it almost sounded a bit too aggressive, saying define the uh, you know. Uh, the, the the defiant leader or the, the defiant lead, defiant leadership. So unapologetic, I think was just a nice euphemism to say, yeah, I I'm gonna I know my values. I'm gonna stay authentic. I'm gonna keep it real, and I'm not gonna apologize for it. This is this is what y'all signed up for. This is why I'm here, and and it 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 just it feels it felt like me. It felt like this is how I approach. Things. This is how I tell others to be around me too. My team, own it. Be you. Be your authentic self. That's why you're here. You're you're enough. And and yeah, it just really when we when we came out with the title, I was like, yeah, boy, ah. that's it. That's <laughs> it, man. And you found the very best person to write your forward too. By the way, <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. My my wife. That's probably the best part of the book. I hate to say it, but <laughs> it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a, I, I get emotional sometimes when I re- read the forward. I remember the first time seeing it, and and it really, she really touched on the idea that we didn't. We started to grow as we became more authentic, as we became more unapologetic, and you realize how much of your efforts and time being in the medical community that you aren't authentic. You're, you're, you're just trying to play a role to, to fit in and, and you're on the defense just trying not to get into trouble or trying to stay unnoticed. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's just the sad reality, but it was just really kind the way Kathy, my wife put it together. And yeah, it was, you guys said probably the best part of the book. <laughs> <laughs> she did a great job. You did a great job writing it as well. I love the way you set it up with the four principles as well. Can you go over the four different principles you talk about in your book? Yes. I uh, appreciate that, Casey. It was obviously, we we mentioned a few times how focusing on your values is such an important aspect of decision-making and not getting letting fear overwhelm you. That's the first one. Second one's leaning on action, always being willing to fail and and quote unquote fail, but learn, and so that that end product is is going to be that much better because you're swinging the bat, you're you're in the field to play, you're on the ice, and uh, and and you're gonna you're gonna grow from that. The third one is promoting like thinking outside the box, and and I think. I don't know if the U.S. is in the same situation, but our healthcare system, as we talked about, not only because of COVID, but prior to that too, was in in, a, in crisis. But now is even more so in crisis, and a lot of these solutions are going to have to be create like outside the box thinking, 
having that creative courage to, to 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 bring some ideas that aren't that haven't been brought up before. And then fourth is just have a lens of uh, of of inclusiveness, like the the advantage of being inclusive and having that diverse team around you is that you you, you increase your perspective, you 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 minimize your blind spots. And I, I've been on situations where it's, it hasn't been well received having that different perspective, different viewpoint. But it's a it, for organizations to grow to for groups to to show up as their best self you want to hear those those perspectives so you have less blind spots that you are you're, you're ready despite whatever hits whatever hits you in the face mm. well I, I, the first principle talking about values there's lots of different things that we can value right we value things differently and and so maybe somebody knows the direction of their values, but they don't know where their priorities are. They don't know which ones take precedence in certain situations. So how do you recommend that, that we go out and find what our true values are and, and prioritize them and stay true to them? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And and this was something that I, I struggled a bit with if I'm being candid or being honest. The, I, I, I actually went through this a few years ago with a coach of, uh, with, going through my own values by going through, honestly, I went through a checklist. I printed off uh, a list of values and, and, and took the ones that resonated with me. So started from say from a list of a hundred, got down to about 10 and then forced myself to kind of focus to, to put down the top three. And I think it's, that exercise is good because you're forced to really think about what resonates with you. And you don't have to, this is not something you have to come up with overnight, but it could be something that you kind of percolate on over a few days or a week or so, but it helped realize like what truly feels right. Like for me, it was just like one of the main things is justice, like doing the right thing, courage. Those really resonated with me. And when you're in a time of crisis, when when it's hard to think of what's on the other side and you're stuck on your decisions, like thinking about some of these core values, you'll find yourself often when you when you think about it, you'll be like, you know what, this feels right. This feels way more like me by by doing the thing that's courageous, by doing the thing that is more just for the the, the parties involved. And that that's how I, that's how I approached it. And I, I'd encourage others to do the same because it really has been a game changer for me. It sounds like a really valuable exercise. One of my favorite exercises that I've done in the past years, I took from the book, uh, 10 or, um, 4,000 weeks, which is the average length of a human life put into weeks. And you start to think about that and like, Oh my goodness, like this is going pretty quick. Um, but one of the, one of the <laughs> suggestions is to write down your top 25 priorities in life and then scratch off any, everything that's six and below and only focus on the top five and avoid the next 20, because the next 20 are the ones that are going to distract you from the ones that are the very most important are going to take away from family time or ice hockey, whatever you find in your top five. Um, so that sounds like a really similar way to identify what our values are is like, cut it down, cut it down, cut it down until you have a reasonable amount and just focus on those things to really help you, um, kind of hone that in and drive that home. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually really like the one that you mentioned too. It's been one of my 2024 foci is really focus in on what's important to 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 myself and the family because because of the nature of the job and and because of some of the stuff we've we've experienced personally you realize that life is really short and and whether as you mentioned four thousand weeks it's it's short it's precious it could be it can end on a dime and do you really want to be spending time doing stuff that is not serving you well. And, and, and so yeah, for me, 2024 is definitely about being more intentional, mm. getting more joy, getting more purpose with my daily activities. I love that. 
Yeah. The challenging thing to do that list and come up with those things was to eliminate things that I really liked so I could do more of the things that I really loved. And that was hard at first. I quit several sports. I quit golf, um, which was not not difficult for me to quit golf. I sucked at it my entire life. (laughs) Unlike most hockey players who are really good at golf, I was never good. So that helped me to, that helped me to reprioritize things. And and it sounds like, again, doing that with values should be really important. I think the action principle really speaks for itself. It doesn't do us a lot of good to talk about how we can improve things without going out and actually doing it and see what works and see what doesn't. Um, Talk about creativity, because this one I think is a little bit more challenging. This could apply maybe a little bit more in the medical industry, but I think a lot of people feel stifled by rules or organizations or systems, and, and they don't feel like they can be creative. What are some tips and tricks you give to the reader to help to involve more of that decision making and creativity into their lives? Yeah, that's a great question. One is as as a leader to promote to promote outside the box thinking to, to allow people to have that environment where they feel it's safe. So like that psychological safety. Um one of the examples I give in a talk is I with our team at work, we have a very inclusive uh like people think inclusive like uh Inclusive might be the wrong word in this setting. We have a very safe environment for people to voice their opinions. And I remember I was trying to, without speaking in too many medical terms, a patient lost their airway, meaning that the tube that they were needed for breathing came out and their their throat was starting to close in. And so we had a small window of time to 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 try and put it back in. And one of our respiratory therapists, a young respiratory therapist, made a suggestion on how we could buy time. And if they didn't feel safe enough to voice it as a 26-year-old or whatever it was in a very heated, a heated, uh, dangerous environment, I don't know if that patient would have made it. Like their, their suggestions bought us an extra few minutes and allowed the patient to, their life to be saved essentially. So it's, it's such an important aspect, not only, I mean, that's a high stake one, but even if, as a, uh, as a company or, or startup, whatever it might be, you want people to be able to voice their their, their creative solutions so that they you, you could have that added perspective. But in terms of like what people could do to think creatively, I think one of the best books I've ever read actually is called Creating Choices by, um, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget his name now. Um, it'll come to me as I say the story. But we typically are so used to doing of approaching problems with either or solutions. Like either I got to do this or I got to do that for, in terms of a solution and, and what creating choices talks about is maybe think about the, the, the best part of option a and think of the best part of option B and think of multiple permutations within that so that we could create something more majestic like in gives an example of the film festival like you got the toronto film festival that's a little less bougie it's more inclusive like more people can attend whereas you got the con which is like super bougie and it feels super exclusive and you feel like super special being there how do you take the best best of both worlds to make the edmonton film festival something special and, and, and unique and and so that's the kind of thinking that i think more of us need to do like stop with the either or and th- think about how to create options like you're you're almost that's why it's called creating choices like you, you're creating choices because you're thinking outside the box and 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 so that that's that's roger martin that's who it is roger martin and um this is like a a subtle way, subtle but effective way of creating some some pretty outside the box thinking that honestly could allow you to think outside the box. Mm. Okay, well, that, that's a, both of those are wonderful examples. Going back to the first example, in the heat of the battle, making quick decisions in the ICU, that that respir- respiratory therapist that wasn't like his first day on the job. What that 
makes me think of is you had been fostering an environment of trust for him to then be able to say that there must've been other situations, much lower, you know, lower consequence really when people were able to voice their opinions, maybe people could disagree about stuff, but everybody felt comfortable sharing that. There's no way he would have said anything as a young doctor had he known that he would have gotten shut down or that wasn't the exact protocol or didn't feel comfortable asking questions or whatever. So that to me just speaks on you're creating an environment where you're listening to people, you're not judging people and you're giving them the space to, to talk out loud, to think out loud, you know? That's exactly it. We, like I, I asked myself, what do we do to, to include that? And sometimes it's proactively asking their opinion about things, even though if you have an idea where you already want to go, but hearing, making sure that maybe there's something else you're not thinking about, never putting them down and put in front of others, just always, always being, having a positive approach when, when ideas are spilled out and, and, and making them feel part of the team. And literally, like I said, it is, I've seen it. That's just one example, but I can think of a half a dozen examples where not the doctor, but the other members of the team have spoken up and allowed for a better outcome to happen. Very well explained. The, the fourth pillar, the equity, the compassion. Have you seen that? practically get any better, especially given all the racial injustices we've experienced and, you know, the, the uprest unrest we've had around that in the last few years. Do you see that going in the right direction? Yeah. I, and overall, I see it going in the right direction. I do think there's been a bit more of a backlash with the, like the DEI movement, like the, and I think like everything in certain circumstances, maybe you take it too far. You want the, you want a qualified person for the job to be able to have the, some of those opportunities. But I do think people are more recognizing that having more diverse people on your board, on your C-suites has, has benefit. And I do think overall it's moving in the right direction. Do I think there's work to be had? Absolutely. But, but yeah, overall, I, I see that getting better. Okay. That's good. That makes me very encouraged. I've been so excited to ask you this question because I love dropping F-bombs on my own podcast. What's the fuck you coefficient? <laughs> oh, the fuck you coefficient? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the fuck you coefficient is, for me, one of the things, most effective motivators is telling me I can't do something. It's It's the ability it's a motivation at the end of the day to be, to be able to look that person in the eye and say, fuck you. I told you I would do this. So throughout my career, whether it's playing hockey, getting into medical school, running a department, running a research program, there's been so many naysayers that I've always used that as fuel. When they say, Hey, I don't think you could do this. I'd be like, okay, we'll see. I'll, and at the end of the day, I'll be like, we're going to come out on top. And, and I, I find that not everyone finds that chip helpful, but if thinking about my athletes out there, Jordan got cut from his, his basketball team in high school. Brady was the last draft pick Beckham in that the whole country was against him at some point that chip can be monstrous fuel. And I, I constantly use that as a way of overcoming adversity. That you put that extra time in on the ice, on the gym, doing your books, think about outside the box ways of creating these research platforms. I, I love it. And so I, I often tell my folk, my, my people that are willing to listen when they're telling you, you can't do it, let it sink in, let it sink in and just, and, and, and use that as a motivator to come over the top. And you, and when you do real, that helps you realize there's nothing you can't handle. There's nothing that you can't overcome. And so that's, that's the fuck you coefficient. It's like the degree of the fuck you coefficient. They say, you know, like there's always like, oh, can you hit that deadlift? Maybe it's less of a fuck you coefficient than, hey, you're not getting into medical school. I'm like, okay, we'll see. That's a monster. <laughs> fuck you coefficient. I love it. 
Oh, I love it, man. That's great. I, I, I know, again, we're talking about this at scale, but what has it meant to you to be a leader in your own home with your family as you were learning some of the metabolic principles that would improve health? How, how did that kind of flow into the, the health and wellness of your own family? What a great question. I, I think it was, I think one of the leadership principles and styles that I am all about is like, be the change. So we, we really start to think about how we could promote healthy lifestyle in our house. And our kids are already pretty active and they, they ate relatively well, but we, we start to emphasize, make it pretty clear to the kids. Like this is important. We work out together. We, we do like the, the concept of, of, of exercise snacks. So if we're having a lazy day, cause it's like minus 15 or 20 outside between commercial breaks or if we're watching the football game, any third down conversions. All right, boys, time for five burpees and we'll, we'll do it together. And they see how much time mom and dad spends in the gym. So they've started working out even my five-year-old safely, mind you, he'll jump in there and, and do his own exercises. And the boys have, have really caught interest on, on that. And so it's a nice reminder that you be the change and people will follow. And I, I, and I, and I think it's, it's great. Like we, the boys will talk about protein intake constantly. Well, maybe not the baby, the the five-year-old still doesn't give a damn about <laughs> what he eats. He's a picky one, but my, my 11 year old would be, would, he's like, how much protein intake do you think I'm taking by eating these two burritos? And so he's already thinking about it. And he's thinking about how to get the most out of his the food, so he's the best athlete he can be and the best performer he could be. So it it's I think that's how it's it's played out in our household. I love it. It definitely looks like something that's not forced on them. It again is your example. And I've always contended that kids are incredibly smart. And after a while, things like performance or how they're doing in school or all of those things will be self-motivating for them to the point that they can avoid the treats and the, you know, the sodas and all the things their friends are doing. Is that something you've noticed, especially with your oldest? A little bit. He's still, he's got, still got the sweet tooth. And so he's reduced, he's definitely reduced the amount that it, than it was back in the day. And the middle child, he's pretty good at that. And so is the younger one, but I, the older one is, is, uh, yeah, that's his kryptonite, you know. What I mean? So that's still uh, that's that's still a work in progress. But I, I'm for me, the big thing though is is the kids staying active and 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 move, moving in the right direction in terms of food choices. Yeah, that's awesome. Who's who's going to be the best hockey player? Oh, that's a great question. I then well, they might not listen to. The, I don't know if they'll listen, but the the. Eldest right now is he, he's got the he's got the size like he's a he's a he's a bit of a beast, but the the youngest one is the most competitive and determined. So he's the X Factor. He's little Zeke, like Zeke the freak man. I he's, he's got size for a five year old too. So we'll we'll see. I think it's one of those two. They'll never be dad though, right? Oh, come on. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is, it was fun. We got to play the, the older kids. We played the, the dads the other day, uh, or it was before Christmas and we annihilated them. Yeah, that's great. We annihilated. That's and we still great. got a couple of years, I think, but yeah. We <laughs> Dude, anytime I get invited to my high school alumni game where we play the young kids, it's like, kids, we're going to put you in your place. Like I've, I've been eating low carb carnivore. <laughs> like <laughs> I might be double your age, but I'll show you what's up, dude. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I love it. Oh man. Quadro, this has been an amazing conversation. You were the exact person that needed to write that book. And I hope it gets out there far and wide for everybody to read. And again, whether it's helping to change the medical system or helping all of us to step into leadership roles, live healthier and happier lives and share that with the people around us. I think it's very relevant for our time. And hopefully the people that are ready to hear that message will hear that message and do better through the next pandemic and continue, you know, reverse aging. Like we see in so many of these people in the, in the community that are just getting healthier and healthier and healthier as the years get on. And you're a great example of that. I really enjoy my time with you. Where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work? Casey, number one, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And I, I, I don't know, I said this offline, but tell me 
folks. Tell me he ain't a, a gangster interviewer. Like just smooth criminal. Just makes it sound so easy. Oh, I, I, I took notes. I took notes, my friend. But high compliment yeah, coming find... from you. You do a great job on your podcast, the quadcast. Thank you so much. Quadcast. Yeah. So the the, the podcast is self and healthcare. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Social media is at quadcast. K W A D C A S T I G TikTok uh, X Facebook wherever you follow your social media. And then the book is called Unapologetic Leadership. You can find that on Amazon. And yeah, we're just doing our best to what we like we say on the show, change the bookie because the boogie's got to change. Love it. You know what I'm saying? Man, I love it. Love your work. Keep at it, man. Don't quit. We won't quit on our end and you don't stop on your end. We'll love. We'll get this message out as much as we can. Dr. Quadro, it's such a fun conversation again. Thank you so very much for all of your work. And thank you for taking time to be on our show today. We really appreciate you. Thanks for having me back, brother. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. Thank you so very much for continuing to listen to Boundless Body Radio. As 2023 has come to a close and we're starting another new year in 2024, I always try to reflect on not only the direction that we want to go in the future, but also how much we have grown in this last year. Our podcast has now generated well over 400,000 downloads from all over the world, and it's all thanks to fantastic listeners like yourself. I hope you are as excited for the new year as we are around here. The lineup of guests that we have coming up is absolutely staggering, and we're always striving to bring you the best content from the most amazing people in health, nutrition, and wellness. Remember that you can always head on over to our website to book a complimentary 30-minute session with us at myboundlessbody.com. On our homepage, there is a book now button where you can select a time to speak with us about your health and fitness plan, especially for the new year. We've absolutely loved chatting with so many of you out there to bounce ideas off each other and try to come up with plans to help you achieve specific goals. And seriously, I really do mean this. Even if it's just to say hello and introduce yourself, we absolutely love connecting with our listeners in the community. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well if you want to watch these full interviews and also shorter interviews on more specific topics that are taken from these interviews. We've gotten really great feedback over there, and it's also a really fun way to interact with people who comment. We read and reply to every single YouTube comment we get, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and leave as many comments as you like to keep the conversation going. And of course, if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to make sure that the podcast gets out to more listeners. Your five-star ratings and reviews are the best way to support us here at Boundless Body and to support the podcast at Boundless Body Radio really only takes a moment and it's very meaningful to us. Cheers to 2024 and thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.